Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Another great week for It's The Real. Another one. Another one. So, speaking of DJ Khaled, we went to breakfast the other morning, as we regularly do, like, once a month or so. Yeah, with all of our friends. All of our friends. Not all of our friends. Some of our friends. Some of our friends. A Alex, group of friends. Alex Chichamaro, the bald god. Uh, Justin Fleischer, the Fleisch. Matt uh, Fastow. Matt. <laughs> and Leah. And Leah. Yeah. By the way, happy birthday to Leah. So we went out to breakfast with them in our regular haunt. And afterwards, we stopped by Atlantic Records because Alex works there. We went to go hang out. And it's what? Like 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's too early for people to actually show up for work. No one is there at 9 o'clock in the morning. Just all you other record labels know. Yeah. Atlantic so Records is dead at Eric 9 and I are walking through this very empty office. And first of all, they have a, a they converted one of the empty... Like offices, offices, yeah, within the office, uh, into a gym, yeah. So, so it has an elliptical, it has a treadmill, has a stair climber thing. It, you know, some weights. I don't know. We don't go to the gym. Yeah. So we go in there because we think it's hilarious that they have a stupid gym that nobody uses at work. <laughs> and uh, I get on the treadmill, and I got on Snap, and I snapped this beautiful shot of the city outside of this 11th floor window turned the camera around to jeff who's on the treadmill and i was like treadmill talk alert (laughs) celebrate life that's right don't ever play yourself because listen as much as we clown khaled for you know his repetitive sayings or his his treadmill talk elliptical talk all that it's funny. New it's, alert. It's, st- it's still funny to Dove us. lotion alert. To the point that, this is no joke, Jeff and I walk around, and all we do is just go, huh, huh, huh. I, I like, like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Top, hey, Lenny, the wire come in yet? Top secret. <laughs> the Drake vocals come in yet? <laughs> Top secret. Like, all the time. Yeah. To the point that we sound like Beavis and Butthead. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> okay. 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 we really do the two of us walking around this empty atlantic offices so we were there early in the morning and then we made the rounds and said hi to all of our friends who work there and then we had some business to do at home went back home did our business through the morning and the afternoon and then we returned to atlantic at seven o'clock to help our friend Marcia st hubert record a new episode of the baby's mother which is her podcast about mother mother yeah and that lasted until midnight. And when we were cleaning up, getting our packing all of our equipment up at twelve twenty one in the morning. So a light fourteen hours after we first went into do elliptical talk, we went back. We're back. And I did the same thing. Same thing, but that same shot was at night, again with the timestamp, turn it around, and this time you were like treadmill talk alert. Yeah. Don't ever play yourself. Yeah. Celebrate life. And Marsha and our friend Eli thought it was the greatest thing. You want to know what? It's sort of like we're uh, Claude Monet. In in which way? Oh, because <laughs> he used to paint the church at different times of the day. Don't ever Monet yourself. Wow, nice. Listen, if you are listening to this podcast today, hopefully you'll go to full screen and download the full screen app because you can now see what's going on in our kitchen. It's been a year of strictly audio on this podcast, just like a lot of podcasts, but you know what? It's different now. A waste of time is now available 
on fullscreen.com and the fullscreen app. So go to fullscreen.com, download the app, and you can actually see what our whole life is like. Let's say you want to see what it looks like hanging out with our friends Angie Martinez and Miss Info. We have a whole episode that just debuted yesterday only on fullscreen.com. So the first month is free when you sign up. Go to fullscreen.com, get the app. A waste of time with Angie Martinez and Miss Info. It's pretty awesome. Actually, we're on a little bit of a radio run. We are because today, today we we have Ebro Darden. He is of Hot ninety seven of Ebro in the morning, and he uh, talks to us about Summer Jam that he put together about his whole career in radio, which is pretty fascinating, and some surprises that maybe you didn't know about a guy who talks on the air for five days a week. And then next week's episode, which is airing now on fullscreen.com, is with Angie and Miss Info. And then next week after that, we have Charlemagne the God. So here's how the podcast works going forward. We record an episode on video and audio, and you can see that on Mondays. That same episode will follow audio only the following Tuesday. The following Tuesday. So if you want to keep listening on SoundCloud, you want to keep listening on iTunes, it's still going to be available, but you're going to get that week-long exclusive on fullscreen.com, and you can actually see what's going on in our now nice apartment. It's really nice now. Shouts to fullscreen. Also, on this podcast today, we have Ravy B, R-A-V-I-E-B, who we shouted out on last week's episode. What I said was um, that, that they should listen to the podcast. And then Raven took that to mean that she should come over, and so... Here she is. Here she is. Thanks for coming through. Thanks for having... Do I have to do, like, an introduction? Or no, because like we're going to put this, like, at the top of the... Okay. Did you prepare an AKA? Is no, that why? I don't oh, okay. have an AKA. <laughs> oh, I do have an AKA. Rally gave me an AKA. Young Megapixels. Young <laughs> Megapixels. Yeah. I'm rolling with that from now on. Yeah, yeah. You only shoot on digital right now, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've done like some shoots with Polaroid, yeah, but just primarily digital. Like, did you ever take like photo classes where you had to go into like a, a, dark, a dark room and develop pictures? No, because uh, the first photography class I ever took, I was in the tenth grade, so that was like what two thousand five. So right. they were already like in the digital space, right? Um. So, so you've always been young megapixels. I've always been young <laughs> megapixels. Been digital. I've always wanted a nickname too because people. First of all, people mis mispronounce my name all the time online. Yeah, right. because you say like it's Ravy. Because my name is Raven. Well, also right. you told us you're like that you hate it. No, you're like, look, we're friends. You're allowed to call me Raven. Yeah, because I feel like it's so close. Like Ravy, Raven, just call me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just call me Raven. Is like, that your own fault for making that name then? I think so. I think I was just like it was really a cheesy story, but like I had a cheesy MySpace name that I just cut, which was Ravy Baby. Ravy Baby. Wow. And then I feel like you should be like Rave Gods. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. I'm like catch the that. rave. Yeah. I'm gonna add that to Young Megapixels. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like I Google Ravi and it's like a Bollywood star, and I just get so upset. And everyone does, it. and then you don't want to correct someone when you meet them, so you're like, Did you ever have a nickname? No. Never in high school? Never like... No. Wow. I mean, my family calls me Ray. My mom has a like, stupid nickname, Chuchi, that I don't let anyone call me but her. Where did that come from? I, I don't even know, okay. to be honest. <laughs> and then every, all my like close friends call me Ray. And yeah. then the Ravy Ravi situation from the <laughs> internet. So, um, How many siblings do you have? I have <clears throat> four siblings, but they're all half siblings. So okay. my mom has a son. Yep. And then my dad has a son and two daughters. I'm I'm the youngest of 
five, uh-huh. I guess. Um, but I grew up um, very close to like my mom's son. So we grew up in like the same household. He's just 16 years older than me. 16 years. Mm-hmm. So when I was like two, he was in the army. So we didn't really make a relationship till I was like older. Whoa. Mm-hmm. But we had like the same interests, same likes. Really? Mm-hmm. Does Whoa. he like future? <laughs> I think so. Does he like hibachi most importantly? Yes. It's <laughs> But when I, he lives in Arizona. So I'm like one of those like obsessive foodies. So if mm-hmm. I like something, Jeff always makes fun of me. But <laughs> if I like something, I'll go there all the time. I become obsessed about it. That's why I'm like obsessed with like hibachi. But in Arizona, they have a papados, which they don't have here. Right. So I was there for like seven days. And every single day I was like, let's go to papados. He was like, no, let's try. And I was like, no, let's just go to papados, order the same thing. Well, do you do that here too? Where yes. you're like, every morning you have to have the same thing for breakfast? Almost, yes. You're like breakfast is up in the air. Because I can do like two different type, types of breakfast. I could do like a pancake, like little silver dollar pancake yeah, yeah, breakfast. Yeah. Or I can do like eggs, bacon, home fries, egg sausage, home fries. Like, do you make that yourself? No, no. I go to the same diner. Okay. <laughs> and my mom goes to the same diner, so they know her, so they just treat me. Oh, that's nice. Like I'm her. And then You lunch, go in there and you order the the Ravy B. Yeah. <laughs> I should get I should have one of those. Right? Yeah. I have to have it's relationships like places. <laughs> yeah, like my own cereal. Yeah. Um and then Lunch is probably tacos or like some variation of Spanish food because that's like by my house. Mm-hmm. And then if I could have like seafood, I'll go to City Island mm-hmm. um, or I'll have like kibachi, which <laughs> I don't get to have as often because no one wants to go with me. And I find it really weird to sit at the table by myself. And I don't like the experience if I can't sit up there. Like, I don't want to take it Wait, to go. You can't like make friends? It's just weird. Like when I go with people and there's one person sitting at the hibachi table, it's uncomfortable <laughs> for me. Like they have no one to talk to. No, and you're, it's like, you're like the ambassador. What do you do when you when you show up with a group and someone is by themselves and then you, do you, do you take them? them in? Yeah. yeah, I try, but I feel like a lot of times they're really awkward. Which yeah, well, is stupid. Sure. I feel like there should be like conversation at the table since we're all sitting there with the same chef, but people want to do their own thing. <laughs> like one like, time I was on a date and then another person was on a date and I was like trying to make it like a double date. Wow. But David Amaya didn't want it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I went to um, Benyana's with Amaya, but he gets too drunk and he doesn't enjoy the, 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 the performance of that is a bachi, so. Yeah, Did you see Amaya was like bragging about how he's uh, Ciroc's number one like <laughs> consumer. I did when he was trying, trying to get Vegas. a sponsorship. Did you guys watch my snap from oh, Vegas? Amazing. I was so I'm so disappointed because I downloaded Snapchat because of Amaya, right? I thought it was the dumbest thing in the whole world. I was like, this is stupid. And Amaya was just always drunk on Snapchat. So I was yeah. Like, okay, I'm gonna get it. Became obsessed with just following drunk Amaya. <laughs> and then and he then stopped. He, he just got I feel like complex made him too cool yeah. well for anybody who doesn't know David Amaya is a friend of ours who started interning at Rap Radar then he worked for Def Jam on the digital side and for the last like year or two he's been working for complex and now he's too cool and he's really he's really bought into this whole like uh, yeah he's like wearing like <laughs> idea. suits like he's looking like <laughs> yo yeah, so he looks like Pitbull. Um, yeah, he does. Yeah, he went he went down to Vegas for a bachelor party, and it was everything. It's it's a shame that Snapchat sort of deletes everything after. after I a screenshot day. everything that's funny. Yeah. Oh, you do. He he had like peak drunk Snapchat before, like where he was just he gets so drunk so fast, and then he'll text me and Ramya like at three in the morning, and I'm just like, what? Who let you go to Vegas? And then his friends are just as crazy. Oh yeah, my God. like uh, just, Versace. Yeah. And there's another one, Trainer, who's even crazier. <laughs> he makes Versace look like normal. I hate that we call him Versace. But two things. One is I met Amaya because he um, used my photo on Rap Radar and 
didn't credit me, like cut out my water. Which, by the way, is a pretty underhand. Him. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, smart move and because then, he made a new friend. And then I was like, "How are you just gonna crop my watermark?" So I was like, "I thought Amaya was a girl because on Twitter <laughs> it was Amaya RR." So I was like, "Okay, who's?" Who is this girl? Who's this bitch? I have yeah. to find her. I was like, I had a Pusha T-shirt at Gramercy, and I was like, they're like, oh, Amaya's here. And I was like, who's Amaya? And then I'm like, oh, my God, who is this? He's like, oh, I'm David Amaya. And I'm like, you stole my photo. Like, you stole it. You didn't credit me. He's like, no, I didn't. Um, It was YN. At this point, I don't know who Elliot Wilson is. I don't know any of these people. So I'm like, why would you do that? Like, this is such an important... It was like um the first photo of, like, Maybach music. Yeah. <laughs> It's really important to me. <laughs> and he was like, no, let me just buy you a round of shots. And then we became friends. Wow. And then I met Elliot and I found out it was Elliot that posted it and cropped it. Did you give him shit? I, I was just at that point. I wasn't even mad anymore because I was like friends with Amaya. And, I, and, and you Elliot, had free shots. Yeah. And then they'd be like, oh, like, you're good. Like, come to this event. So I was like, OK. But that's how our, we always tell people our friendship started because he stole my photo. That's pretty amazing. So really, if you want to be be friends with with raven just steal something of hers right yeah basically yeah. <laughs> um also i think you're responsible for the drop that we use all the time yo it's the real you're the only motherfucking white people i fuck with ha i was gonna ask is that drop gonna be in this because yeah that's yeah. one of the f- amaya on mine another like classic thing i yeah. really feel like i helped his whole brand like mm- no 100%. question. Yeah. And I just want to keep doing it, but now he's too cool. Does he not invite you to Vegas? No, he doesn't. I feel like he just hangs out with his complex friends, and I hope he hears this. Damn. Well, he's definitely going to hear, hear about this. <laughs> so you're you're originally from? The Bronx. Like born and raised? Born and raised. Where in the Bronx? Um, Westchester Square. So it's like on the 6th train between like Castle Hill and Pelham Bay. Like deep. Deep. and Deep on the 6th. Like yeah. The third to last stop. Where's Jennifer Lopez from? Castle Hill. Wow. Okay. Did you Very see her? Important. Did you yeah. did you see her in concert up there like a year ago? Uh in Joe in um Orchard Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like it was like a State Farms thing, so mm-hmm. they they honored like people from the Bronx, and I was one of the people. Whoa, what? Mm-hmm. that's amazing. It was more amazing because J Lo was performing, and I'm like obsessed, like being from the Bronx. Yeah, not being Hispanic, but being from the Bronx, I'm like super obsessed with J Lo. Have you ever met her? No. Okay. I've just seen her. And Have you ever photoshopped her into your picture? Maybe. <laughs> Stand next to you. The only person I've ever photoshopped in my photos was Kobe Bryant. That's why I really learned Photoshop. Really? Mm-hmm. You just had to perfect it? I just <laughs> wanted to put it on Facebook all the time and just put photos of me and him. And like I would crop out Vanessa and put my face. Oh, my God. I can just show you all of them. Oh, my God. Wait, They're still on my Facebook. This is what MySpace was for, right? <laughs> no, this was... I was Strictly like, for Facebook? Because Facebook, Facebook was like cool like college friend like myspace you just have to be really cool i think okay you have to like sneakers be cool <laughs> like put yeah, glitter gifts, on your yeah. photos yeah then you got on facebook and you could like kind of be yourself but like cool <laughs> in school so or it was, you can like, kind of be vanessa kind <laughs> of be vanessa which i was um like if you go back and you look at my profile pictures it's like me and kobe me kobe and the kids um oh whoa mm-hmm. do you watch the office i'm obs- i've watched the office like three times so you know like when michael photoshops himself into his uh uh, girlfriend's family's photo yeah. on yeah, yeah. trip. That's <laughs> She's like, why, why did you do this? <laughs> My favorite episode of The Office is the one where they go to Sandals in Jamaica yep. and he comes back with the three Bs. <laughs> Amazing. <and> Actually... <laughs> My one of my favorite episodes is the Christmas episode where they go to Benny Hanna's. Oh, yeah. I love that episode. Well, yeah, I love all the Christmas like episodes. Yeah, it does. And so, and at that point, I had it like when I was watching The Office, I had never been to Benny Hanna's. Like, it was fairly new for me. Yeah, I didn't remember going. Maybe when I was little, so I would watch stuff. So I was like, oh, this is 
is a cool place and now i'm like wow i'm really living i think i live out like my life is kind of like the office a little like curb mm -hmm. and then a little like beyonce like if beyonce <laughs> and larry david had a baby that would be me you should photoshop that together yeah <laughs> like i would be like blue david yeah <laughs> Another AKA. Yeah. Another AKA. So, okay. So, by the way, Blue David is also David when he goes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so David when he's sitting at the hibachi table by himself. <laughs> Did you ever go to Ride Playland growing up? Oh, all the time. Okay. <laughs> I only rode one ride though. The, the Dragon Coaster. No, the Mind Control where you like sat in oh, and then they played music. The, no, the Mind Scrambler. Mind Scrambler. Yeah. Then someone died. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Don't ride that. <laughs> But that was the only thing I rose when I went there. It's but, only because like you obsess over one thing and then you yeah. do it over and over. <laughs> this is my whole life. <laughs> this is why I do photography because it's like the only thing I can obsess. I've tried. I've literally tried. My mom had me in dance. I hated it. I did drama like theater for like six years. Yeah. Most miserable time of my whole life. And it was so embarrassing because no one thought none of my friends thought drama was cool. Right. So I was like doing like a Midsummer Night's Dream and no one thought it was cool except my mom. And I was like, <laughs> I can't go to I went to high school. I, was, like, I can't do this, mom. Like, I can't be in theater in high school. And then. Um, but were I, you always like left brained, like creative and. Mm, I think I was a little bit of both. I was like super nerdy in middle school. I got most helpful. And then I went to like a specialized high school, so everyone was nerdy. So then I could be cool. A specialized high school? Yeah, like there's six in the city, like Bronx Science, yep, um, yeah. Cyberson. Mine was like new. It was a high school for math, science, and engineering. What was your um, like basketball team name? The Dragons. The Dragons. But we had a robotics team. They were called the Dragons too. So. Did you ever go to those competitions? Yes. What? I don't tell people about that. Oh, you no, are you now. Did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like super nerdy. I went to a robotics competition in Georgia. Um, oh, you took part in it. Yeah. You weren't just a spectator. No. Whoa. But I was like cool in high school because it was easy to be cool. Like if I went no, to a regular public school, I probably would have still been nerdy and then I wouldn't be here now. But like it let me learn how to be cool. That's dope. But so wait. you can like build a circuit. Yeah. I know how to do like a motor and like 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 what what you need to like the right measurements for certain bridges and weird stuff like that. I Whoa. wanted to do architecture, but I took a photography class in 10th grade and I was like, oh, this is really, really cool. Maybe I should go to college for marketing um, so I could do like photography and advertising and architecture was too hard. And Steve, That's would, why Steve, does it. Steve <laughs> used to do all my work for me because I'd be like, I can't draw this. I don't know how to do this. So it was too tedious. So then I went to college for marketing and then going to school in the city, I went to NYU. Mm -hmm. Um, Go fighting violets. <laughs> and I worked at Urban Outfitters. So I was like legit like a NYU, like. Oh, my God. BG jeans, like silly, silly Soho. Yeah. Stuff. What are all that? What are all, the food options on that one street? Like, yeah, Baja like I started eating like falafel. <laughs> I was just I didn't know who I was. And <laughs> I was like going to NYU. But I was working at Urban Outfitters. And I was like, when you first start at Urban Outfitters, they give you like three to 11, three to 12, which really is like three to two because mm -hmm. it's such a big store that you're just there all night. So I started missing my classes. So after being at school for like two and a half, three years, I was like, I can't do this. And my mom was my mom was sick. So I was like, I got to keep working more. So I stopped going to school. Then I was like, so I've never told anyone this story. Yeah. So this is like, yeah. I'm just rambling at this point. But um, I stopped going to school. I was working full time, um, taking care of my mom. She got better. And then like with credits, I couldn't go back to take the same major. So I was like freaking out. I'm still doing photography like more and more now because I was like out at night like shooting events or like shooting in like um, concerts, CMJ stuff. And then the more I got into photography, the more I was like, you know what, I'm not going to go back to school for now because 
if I gave up so much time to do this, I might as well just put my all in this. Yeah. But I still had like odd jobs, like I said, and then last year was the first year that I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna quit my job and yeah. talk for full time. Yeah, what what was that like when you actually quit? Um at first it was like super scary. I literally spoke to every like person I knew that was in a better position than me and it was like, should I do this? Like I called Lenny S, I called Elliot. Um, I called Brandon from Finish Line. I don't know if you know me. Used to no. work at um, Complex, and I was just like, I don't know if I like if this is the right move. People always ask me like, what's like what made you do? It? And I was just like, I was getting called for things that I couldn't do because I was working a nine to five. So I was like, if I'm getting these calls already, then I can just do them if I didn't have a job. So, and I was tired of making coffee for people and doing obscene things in a real estate office because that was really like working at the office. Like, my boss was insane, and the people there were insane. Well, that's a good reason to not work and there. And they made me wear flats, and I was miserable. <laughs> I hate flats. I hate them. And cardigans and all the things I didn't want to wear. I will say, I did like your snaps when you were working at that job that you hated. <laughs> Every day, it was someone's birthday. <laughs> it was so annoying. People in offices love birthdays in the weirdest way. And then they would buy the same carrot cake from Dean and DeLuca every week every week I was like there's only like 20 of us how is it someone's birthday or an event was or- it a surprise like surprise quote yeah, do they like do yes. like oh like we have a meeting in the yes. break room they would have a meeting and then they'd get come on everybody come <laughs> and then they'd light the candle and then they'd sing and no one was ever happy about oh it oh my god and it was just sad it was just a sad place to work. and then it was just like Working with like in real estate and property management, like people that live in New York are insane and they pay like ridiculous amounts of money to live in little boxes mm-hmm. and then they, it starts to hit them what, what where they live. Like they don't, it's just, it was just so crazy. Like a lot of our buildings were like over pianos or like in the Lower East Side. Yeah. So like, why is there all this noise and all these people? <laughs> and I'm like, you, you moved to New York in the Lower East Side. Like, did you not do a background check of where you were moving? So they would just come in and complain about everything. And what was the day like when you, when you formally resigned? Well, first I told them I was going to give them two weeks, three weeks. I gave them three weeks. That's nice. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to come back and visit. And then yeah, all your friends, <laughs> you're going to be back there for every birthday. That's right. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to come back. And then I, and then like as the days came out, I was like, I hate this place. I got to get out. And then I just left and never spoke to anybody. So what was your first concert that you like shot? And what's the first concert you went to? The first concert our artist I remember like shooting honestly was the dream at oh. Gramercy Whoa. and it wasn't like a concert it was just like I feel like a it was a random event where he was performing at um and oh no no I'm lying I'm lying wait that was CMJ no it wasn't That's, CMJ oh, no. I would like go to but CMJ they weren't like big artists I don't even remember them mm. but the fu- okay this is how it started I went to uh little kid okay i met the guy at the dream event right Mm -hmm. i don't remember his name he was a security guard at irving plaza he was really nice to me he was like hey come with like five of your friends there's a little kim concert next week here so i I went to irving plaza went to the little kim show um he got us backstage to meet little kim and take pictures with little kim right they're still on my facebook too if you want to check that out (laughs) not photoshopped (laughs) not photoshopped really little kim and I remember I took a picture of her and like her nipple was kind of coming out and that was like a big deal on, on Facebook too. And then she was like, oh, you guys are so nice. Like come to my after party at Webster Hall. Went to the after party at Webster Hall and um, Mr. C was like, whoever has a picture with little Kim, um, raise your hand or like you'll win summer jam tickets. And I was the only person that had a picture of little Kim on my phone because I had just taken it at Irving Plaza. So I won the Summer Jam tickets. That was the first time I ever went to Summer Jam. I think that was like 2010. And then I've made fake passes. 
like online and laminated them with like a fake company. Because you are good at Photoshop. Because I'm good now. at Photoshop, and I was like, maybe I can just like you know get all that. I didn't know how like strict Summer Jam is, and like how there's a million wristbands. Yeah, yeah. You you brought laminates. Fake laminates. To, yeah. to yeah. Giant Stadium. <laughs> to to MetLife. Or MetLife Stadium. <laughs> and I got through to the festival. Like they they had me like backstage at the festival. They thought it was real. But I couldn't obviously get like backstage. Wait, wait, just for can you sort of like give an image of what that looked like? It was just like a white laminate, and it said like the ish. That was like some <laughs> company in Australia that I used to follow, and then it said like Media Pass, All Access. I had four. <laughs> had three of my friends with me that won the tickets too, and then I couldn't get backstage, and I was so bummed. And I would like tweet how I wanted to shoot Summer Jam. And then um, maybe like two years later, two or three years later, I like I had met Ebro and Carly and Jeffrey that does digital, and I was I emailed them like, hey, you know, like I'm really interested in shooting for you guys. And then from there, and now I'm you're like I already got the passes. Now like, I got all yeah. access, but no one like I feel like sometimes people don't realize that like little things are so important to me because I was doing like stupid things to get into them way before like making so to go from like making fake passes to try to get in to literally having like all access and getting some of like my best um, concert shots there is like really cool it really it's, like full cool. circle uh, once you met Amaya and got to know Elliot I know you shot some Rap Radar events Elliot's I shot birthday, all the crowd I shot Rap crown. Radar I shot Elliot's birthday mm-hmm. which was like the when Jay-Z came and then yep. I shot the next year when Drake came yep. mm-hmm. so I was like back to back like Elliot you can't top it like who are you <laughs> gonna have come to your birthday after this right um, so I shot those and that was cool because I took a I tried to take like a candid shot of Jay-Z and the flash went off and then he came over and he like hot, like did like a little one arm hug and was like, don't take photos of me without asking. And I was like, oh my God, he's going to blackball me. Like I'm <laughs> never going to be able to shoot event again. Then he laughed about it and was like, I guess that's just his personality. Right. Mm. And he was, he was just like, you know, you shouldn't have used the flash if it was a can. And I was like, wow, so wise. Like how yep. did I not even think of this? <laughs> you were like, but like, you know, the flash helps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's dark in yeah. here. It's at lore, but whatever. Um, so I shot Elliot's birthday. I shot all of the crowns, um, like from J. Cole on, with like the exception of some. Like I didn't shoot Mac Miller or like some of the ones out of town. Uh, I shoot Henny Palooza. That's like my full time ongoing, uh, I guess, photography job. Right. So it's like a, I, if people don't know, it's a party that has unlimited. You buy a ticket, you drink Hennessy unlimited until it runs out. And you swag surf with low key mm-hmm. and yeah, party when, with us. When has the best swag surf been? Because every time is the best one. Every time is the best. <laughs> First of all, I I am I stand by him bringing it back because it was cool. Oh, no, yeah. low low. And completely. then it wasn't cool. Right. And then he made it cool again. And now I go to like clubs uptown in Dykeman and like Metro Boomin just did one at a. Uh, his was good. His was good. I saw his. Yeah, but like I mean, pay, I feel like it, give credit. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I feel like it was low, and everybody always says, "No, you're it's, that's your bias." I'm like, "No, I'm telling you." I before going to parties with Low and going to Honey Palooza, people were not like it wasn't a thing again. Right. And then like we swag surfed at GDE one year, and it was huge. Mm-hmm. And then I think that it just kind of built up again to be like a cool dance. Totally. I said to, to a friend of ours, Alex Chichamaro, the bald god. I, I s- love that you name everybody. It's really cool. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Well, yeah, but we I, want all of our friends to get shine. That's right. <laughs> I said to him the other day uh, that if those guys actually showed up at Henny Palooza on stage, no one would care. It's like just about low and Chris Styles and everybody just, yeah. you know, actually making the crowd do yeah. it. It's insane because I have no rhythm, so I am horrible <laughs> at swag surfing. But and you I- took dance. I took and I quit, and that's <laughs> probably why, because I was horrible. 
and I try and stay away from the swag surf. So when they all get in the front and swag surf, I like, oh, I'm just going to shoot it. But it's really because I have no rhythm and I don't want to go the opposite way. Don't get on a stage if you're not an artist performing or it's not your party. Because it just, I don't know why people want to be seen. But this is like a thing all the time. Like people love to oh, be in 2016, stage. yes. Yeah, I think everybody wants to be anything. Yeah. The mindset of a lot of people nowadays is just like being in the presence of someone that seems important or is important makes you important, which is so crazy. Like, I get messages all the time when I put up photos. Like, no one cares about my photos of palm trees that I think are really artistic. Mm -hmm. But I put up a photo of Kanye West and I get a million messages like, oh, I just want to know your journey. Like, I want to shoot artists. And I'm like, but why? Why do you want to? Like, (laughs) what is it about it? Because... I I shoot hip hop because I love hip hop and I'm around it. It's like a part of my life. But just as much as I like shooting hip hop, I like shooting like palm trees and like birthday parties and like grandmas yeah. and portraits. Like it's not the only thing. If I could get paid five thousand dollars to shoot a grandma, then I'm not shooting future rappers. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna shoot what pays me and what you know. I just enjoy photography. Right. But people they feel like they're 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 doing it for the likes for their likes and they mm-hmm. think that. Being famous means being around famous people. And there's so many people around famous people that do nothing and take up space. And those are the people I dislike. First of all, I don't want rap followers. They're the worst followers. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what rapper it is, like a lot of them are just like people like in the outskirts. That just, it's just they're bizarre. Like they're just bizarre people that write on your page. Yeah. Oh, man. And they're obsessed with the artist and they become obsessed with you. Like there's this guy that swears he's in free bands i know he's not <laughs> and literally emails me writes to me on instagram twitter face um uh, uh instagram like puts up my picture on his page like shout out to the shooters no nope. yeah. like, no nope. i'm so happy you responded and came on the podcast though because <laughs> 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 I, I feel like all my methods paid off <laughs> <laughs> so like really really obsessive fans that it's just crazy to me um so then i started to be like you know what this is silly i really don't care about this because I've had this whole like epiphany on this idea of being an Im- like what an influencer is and like mm-hmm. I kind of want to be like an anti-influencer. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start posting things I like, like buildings, palm palm, a lot of palm trees, mm-hmm. a lot of tacos, food, iPhone apps, iPhone apps. <laughs> and then like um, when I do take photos that I really like, then I'll, of artists, I'll put those up or things that matter to me, like yeah. pictures of my mom, you know, because I want people to get a feel for me too and want to work with me because they think i'm cool and then they also like my work yeah but it was like a at first being cool on instagram was important because you see all these people that have like a hundred thousand likes and they just get free everything and i was like damn i'm not gonna make it till i get like a teeth whitening endorsement you know but then you do and it's like well what does it mean yeah and then you're like that's super cheesy like i'm not gonna sell anything on my instagram so so you put up an instagram i think the other day where you said where and it was it was in california Right, with LeBron? Oh, it was in San Francisco, San yeah. San Francisco. First of all, we were like, we went to Nike Town. I had to shoot LeBron for like 48 hours in the cabs for Beats. And um, he was like, oh, let's just, let's go to Nike Town and shop. And I was like, okay. <laughs> we were walking to Nike Town. And people are just, oh my God, is that LeBron? Oh my God. Oh my. And they start swarming. I'm like, my upper lip is sweating. I have on like a coat because I thought it was cold. So I'm dying. <laughs> it's uphill. I'm like dying, trying to get these shots like a paparazzi, but like still be there. And um, so we're walking and then this little kid comes and like he comes in front and he's trying to get like a picture of LeBron. They let him. And that was like the shot that I thought was, it's just so cool to see like people literally stop whatever they're doing it's like athletes are like a whole nother level of super i thought rappers were big and Mm -hmm. then you're around athletes and you're like 
<laughs> this is a way different situation. Um, so I put the photo up. I was like, 20 years ago, I was the kid with the camera. And now here I am like shooting Crazy. LeBron. So, you know, like follow your dreams. Can I just yeah. say this? We went to Corey Town's <laughs> birthday. Uh, I don't know, this two months so ago. Yeah. And I turned to my left and you were playing. Was Sonic. It? it was Sonic the Hedgehog but in this were, party yeah, where people are like, actually hanging from pipes it was such a good party like party. everyone was having no Corey had an amazing birthday party and you were just getting Corey. all those rings <laughs> yeah <laughs> it goes back to my obsession like yeah. i was playing on the train i got to a level i wanted to beat it <laughs> but that's not even what i'm obsessed with jeff knows i'm obsessed yeah. with cooking games like Cook, obs- cooking games yeah, yes it's like farmville but like you know like oh you have to tap these you have restaurants to make a, to make you have like recipe. restaurants like it's very serious and it's very expensive because you need like gold that's <laughs> You need gold to upgrade like your food and your equipment, like your stove or your oven. There's a lot of different things depending on your restaurant. <laughs> and to get the gold, if you don't win it, you have to buy it, like with your real like Apple iTunes money. <laughs> so I spend probably like ten dollars a week on my game. So if anybody wants to donate <laughs> iTunes gift cards, yeah, Venmo. If, if you want me to listen to your music or look at your photos, just send me iTunes gift cards. You have a habit. I ha- it's really bad. Like it's really bad to the point where I'll I'll go like hours and not do work and I'll just play my game. Oh my god! Like my my pinky hurts. Like it's really Does really bad. Does your mom bad. know this? Yeah, and she she thinks that it makes me like a bum. She's like, why why? And she can hear it because I have to play it with this, the music. <laughs> So she'll be like, you're playing this damn game again. Or whatever you've done with Future and and LeBron and Summer Jam, you're still you're, yeah, you're still, still on like, you know, level three. <laughs> yeah. This is really important to me, this game. Like I feel like the keys <laughs> to It's also like, Raven's I'm, Heart are Robotics, Hibachi, oh, and Pokemon. Yeah. And Larry David. And Michael <laughs> Scott. I, I literally love the office. And I think when I were dating, it was like I always thought that I needed to have a relationship like Jim and Pam. Or Michael and Holly, because they kind of have the better relationship. Well, but now you've realized that you are Angela and you needed Dwight. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, too. I love that they all came together. Well, also, because Dwight had that like that Second Life game that he would play, just yeah. like this cooking <laughs> version of, of it's, Raven. I promise you, if you, I'm going to show you the game. I have like eight restaurants at this point. Yeah, you put so a, she's very successful. You Eric. put a lot of money into this. <laughs> I, I'm very, and they're five stars. Like, I make a lot of money. It's a TV show. Yours. So yeah, in in the broader scheme of things, like photographing people is going all right. Like, but building yeah, restaurants—that's that's why I work. That's why you work. So I can fund my habit of playing this game because if I don't have any money in my account, Apple just takes it out now. It just oh knows. My God. Before we get out of here, what's up? What's up next? I don't know. Okay. Just that I have to play my game when I get back on the train. No, I don't. That's the thing. It's like, I feel like with photography, like you build momentum, right? Mm. And with the internet, so like you'll post something cool. It can go viral or people are like so obsessed with it. And then you're ahead. You're like, okay, how do I top this? Because now I just put up all these photos of Kanye West. And Designer. <laughs> and <laughs> who I am now a fan of Designer yeah. because of that performance. Are you allowed to be? I can do whatever I want, yeah. <laughs> um, but I I wasn't not a fan because I liked the song. Sure. I just was over the comparison, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I like Future as an artist. I love his music. And I just think it's whack bringing out this new kid and just making it like, oh, he wants to be Future. He wants to be Future. Because one, it makes tension between them. And then it's just like, you know, it's kind of silly. Then I was like, well, how is he going to top this song? Like, what's next? Is he really this big? then i see him perform at summer jam and he's like so happy so full of energy yeah. like so different from future so <laughs> different from future so like and then like just seeing 
all these other like good music artists that are like so great being so happy for him it's like how can you not how can you not be happy at someone like having their moment oh my god why do you have to make it like oh he's he's the next future or he wants to sound like future even though he does sound like future it's just a thing where let him be designer and be absurd i think he reminds me of kramer from seinfeld like the kramer of rap (laughs) he does all this they have the same hair and he dances they do the same movements yeah he's always busting through doors (laughs) he's he and he has crazy business but i don't think he's ever seen seinfeld so he probably doesn't know but he's kramer like 100 percent. do you sell your prints I do. Um, I just had an exhibit where I sold a bunch. But, um, Minnesota. Minnesota. Weird place. <laughs> <laughs> Very weird place. Yeah, but Minnesota? Um, I knew these guys had a gallery there and they asked me. And they put me in a hotel next to a hibachi spot. Oh, listen, yo, your Same. rider is just, just amazing. I get it. <laughs> but um, I want to do it. I wanted the exhibit that I had there was called Live. It was all like live concert photos. And I want to just have it here because mm-hmm. I think it'd be bigger and better. And then it could be exactly like what I want. Um, and I want to have like an experience, maybe like a projector with like other stuff on it or just a different kind of feel for it. But I do want to sell my prints because I'm tired of just having moments online because I feel like they come and go, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you you're going to hear this podcast and the next week you won't even remember you heard me on it. So I, I, I don't know. Someone. Yo, listening. Raven is forever. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to make moments that like people can buy the print. They can like, hang it up in their house. Every time they look at it, they remember it. And then it gives kind of more meaning to what I'm doing. So when you sign it, are you going to sign it Raven? Or are you going to sign it Robbie? I might sign a young megapixels. That young might be megapixels. my new alias. <laughs> Shout out to Raven, one of our good friends. We appreciate her coming through. It's always good to see her. Next up, we have Ebro Darden from Hot 97. But before we get to that, Jeff, where can people find more of this podcast right here? You can go on fullscreen.com. Whoop! Yeah. New Full deal screen. alert. Hey. <laughs> huh. I, I like, like that. that. You can check us out on soundcloud.com slash a waste of time. Also on iTunes, uh, search for a waste of time with It's The Real. We are on Snapchat at It's It's The Real and It's The... Yeah. And It's The Real, Eric. That's right. Yeah. And um, Instagram, it's the real. Facebook, it's the real. Twitter, it's the real. Lots of it's the real. Just spell it the right way. I T S T H E R E A L. More people are seeing us in the streets. They shout, it's the real. Shout, it's the real, but shout it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into the thing with Ebro. Well, when do you want to do it, though? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, aka SPF50, aka Summer Jam Scream. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, aka Shovel Simmons, aka Barry Gordy. Hi, I'm Ebro. Yeah, and there's a waste of time with this for real. Ebro, what's going so, on? So, wait, when you guys do that, are yes. you guys being serious when you guys do that intro? Or it's, it's a joke, right? Yeah, they play Like, you other. don't really make, like, sounds in your regular I mean, life. I just made the, well, the sounds. But, like, if, if, if you weren't doing this show, you don't, like, walk around and make those sounds. No, well, when would, would we ever yell like our AKs like a, out? Like a bird call? <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to establish that that didn't really happen because some people forget that when they see their artists doing that, in like videos and songs that it's just entertainment right yes it's not real life well where that okay so where that comes from do you remember i don't know why there would be any reason for you to remember but about like eight years ago seven years ago when we were doing sketches every monday yeah right no 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 not that part Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no there was a there was a video a serious video that um it was uh youngberg 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 got his chain snatched right this was yeah uh this was we don't need the year but okay yeah, yeah yeah so he got his chain snatched and this was the myspace era and his brother 
went on MySpace and put up, up a video where he was yelling at the unnamed, Whomever. unspecified people who might have taken this chain. And we did a video based around that because he kept, he did all those AKAs. He was just like, yo, you know who it is. This, you know, and he named himself and then gave a couple AKAs. And it was AKAs. like, yeah, six different AKAs. And he kept saying, go find me at myspace.com slash whatever. Like the <laughs> yeah. whole time, and we're like, this is so ridiculous. Like, how are we at whatever, whatever year in that is? This is like the most serious thing that we have to like sort of stand by at that point. So that's where those AKAs came from. And then we turned that into something where whoever we interviewed when we were doing red carpets, we could add an energy and a vibe that like they weren't getting when they were getting the same questions from Extra Got it. and Got it. 106 Got it. and Park and whoever else was, was there. But it is a caricature, which you guys are yeah, doing of course. characters. Yeah, yeah I, I think. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's from Westchester. Sure. <laughs> I was just making sure, man. Some people may not know. I mean, people are listening to this podcast I, now. Yeah. I hope so at this point, yeah. No, but the the funny thing is, too, that it's sort of like... There's a levity to it, clearly. And because we take so much time to get those AKAs right, I think there's an idea that the artists appreciate the creativity that goes into that and the thought that goes into that. And if they're surprised, if they are already I was prepared, actually offended by yours, though. Why is that? Because you said AKA Summer Jam screen, you didn't license that from us. And that is, you it, yeah, you is should that, really that, put a trademark. After is that it. copywritten? Yeah, you shouldn't just. Is it really? You shouldn't just loose throw around Summer Jam. Like that, <laughs> you know what I mean? We take this ish serious. First of all, so after after as many Summer Jams have you done? How many is it at this point? Thirteen. Thirteen. Lucky thirteen. Are you <laughs> are you ever surprised how much you know about the weather? <laughs> Uh no, I'm never surprised because we have weather meetings. If there's a problem, like at all times, like we're we actually have a weather service that we check in with. If there's a, you know if it's that kind of situation where it's like okay, what's it look like this hour and what time is this going to happen and you know, do we have chances of this and is it moving in this direction in that direction? But you're more of an expert like today with the Doppler than you probably were or ever imagined you would be, right? Um, today I I didn't I, you know. I don't really imagine. That's the problem. <laughs> I just kind of walk into the storm and kind of like figure it out. Literally. I never really thought about it. Um, you know, we've had weather situations before, rain. We've had crazy, like, I remember one time I was driving Janet Jackson from Jermaine Dupri's trailer to the stage. Jermaine Dupri was performing. It was raining. And then we had lightning that struck like a what is called a transformer, which is like the big circuit box. The fucking thing explodes like backstage lightning and like mushroom cloud type <laughs> shit you know what i mean and the power goes out oh fuck so it was like a blackout for like two minutes and man. then the backup power kicked on and show kept going on <laughs> but you know we've had crazy shit man like, how did janet react she was like fuck i was <laughs> like shit <laughs> and we just kind of looked and kept driving man because at a certain point it's like oh, wow i gotta get janet jackson out of here like this is of course it's dangerous yeah. <laughs> So this year, you had to delay everything because there were real threats of lightning strikes, yeah. and that's a, a big issue. <laughs> you, don't, you don't say <laughs> bigger than a transformer, but yeah. like, yeah, nah, yeah, no, it's um, you know, safety first, man. Like, and w how close did you come to either canceling or postponing the whole show? Um, that never actually because we we knew it was a weather front, like we knew what it was. And it was timed and everything. So it was never like, are we going to cancel the entire show? That was never a conversation. It was just kind of like, how are we going to either begin the festival, then have people like go 
recover themselves so that they don't get hit by lightning, then come back and do the festival right. and or come inside. And if we mistime that, how dangerous is it? And who's going to be a knucklehead and not listen to our warnings and stay outside and then get struck by lightning and then blame us for having them stand outside when we clearly are saying don't stand outside right now. Yeah. So instead of dealing with all the back and forth and moving tens of thousands of people from a car to a stage to back to a car, da, 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 we just made the tough decision of saying we're not going to do the festival. And knowing that you're going to cut it down to however many hours, what happens with the curfew that normally exists you pay, either you pay it's what like is like an overage right? free. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I think it works out to be like $30,000 every 15 minutes. Oh. Mm. And by the way, do you use that threat every year for the artists who are closing out? It's not a threat. I will take, if you go over time, I'll take money from your payment. Man. Who had the because we, we set aside, you know, I give you your set time weeks in advance. You get on stage, there's a clock there that you can clearly see. That's the time. If you mismanage your stage time or don't rehearse after you've known for weeks this is the moment, I can't now. You know, we a lot of people think we make a lot of money on Summer Jam. You know, we put out millions of dollars to do an event that if we're lucky might make a couple hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously back, you know, it's it's for the brand it's marketing if you know for lack of a better term it's for the culture bro right, right. <laughs> you know we do it for the culture um so it's not really a big money maker in that regard you know it's right it's for the culture but if it's a couple hundred thousand you could have done i don't know 30 minutes <laughs> gotten everybody's money worth well no because in this scenario you have people who took public transportation Mm-hmm. to MetLife. Yeah, when does that shut down? That's the last train leaves at 1.30 a.m. Oh, perfect. So Period. Yeah, you could have period. like a whole tent city in, uh, in Secaucus. <laughs> yeah, MetLife, right? Yeah. That would have went over well. They would have been interviewing people the next morning like, I'm stuck out here. Fuck Hot 97. They left me stranded. All publicity is good publicity. That's, That's right. what I've yeah, learned. Yeah, nah, people living in a parking lot that can't get home. Yeah, not so much. I, I, I'd rather you be able to go home and be mad at me that I didn't wasn't able to get Future on stage or Khaled mm. finish his set than you be stranded overnight at MetLife Stadium sure. and yeah. or you get struck by lightning. Where was the uh, miscommunication with Future's team? Um, the miscommunication happened basically. We were running out of time because we had a 30-minute delay because people wanted to fight. Mm-hmm. So the fight happened, and because it was dark, the state police wanted to turn the lights on. ASAP Rocky and his squad were, and me included, were like, it's whack performing with lights on. Let's see how long this takes. So I was either going to cut ASAP Rocky right in that moment and the ASAP Ferg, ASAP Mob moment, or we were going to wait for the state police to give us an answer. The state police didn't want to give us an answer because it was safety first. So they're like, we're not giving you an answer that's definite without actually having the facts. So back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for 20 minutes, but I've lost that time. Mm. So... Future supposed to, he's he's on his way. I wanted to incorporate Future in the Khaled set. Mm-hmm. Um, we never got to have that conversation because I'm still dealing with the aftermath of the fight, getting Khaled and his special guests on. And so by the time Future got there, either someone told him or whatever happened that he was supposed to leave. So he leaves. I call his manager like, yo, where you guys at? Let's go. He's like, oh, we're back to the city already. Why the fuck you already back to the city? Well, they told us to leave. Who told you? If I didn't tell you. Who the fuck told you? Right. Now, I don't know who that person is. I'm doing research on how that happened, but nonetheless, he's already gone. Peter Rosenberg. Absolutely not. (laughs) He wouldn't do that. Um, 
But nonetheless, he's already gone, yeah. and so we're already in a position. And future's not wrong in being disappointed and upset, and fans aren't wrong in being disappointed and upset. I'm also disappointed and upset. Um, but, you know, I guess maybe I'm a little bit more conditioned. And future had a tough weekend, too, because his sound at the Roots picnic was whack. Yeah. And, you know, these things happen, man, when you're performing outside, you have less control. I mean, it's when it works, it's right. fucking amazing, yeah. right? Like, great weather. You know, I'm outside, I'm dancing, you know. Yeah. When it doesn't work, you have situations like this. Yeah, you, you have know. to sip, sip a nutcracker in your car. <laughs> yeah. Um, was the fight worth it? <laughs> yeah. Nah, it sucked. It wasn't one of the good ones. It How do you go ones. about um, changing up the set list in terms of when you have a shortened evening? I just went through and started cutting from the top, you mm -hmm. know, like who was in order. Yeah. And then, like, how much time do we actually have and then go from there. Like, um, and that's what we did. We just went from, you know, like Travis got his set cut, mm -hmm. right? But he then incorporated himself into Kanye's set, which that made sense, right? Right. Um, then we also, like, Fat Joe and them was supposed to have 30. We trimmed them down to, like, 22. We started, like, trimming time, trimming time, trimming time. Um, so we did everything we could and just... Got caught in a rock in a hard place and didn't manage it right at the end there. Yeah, originally from Oakland. I went to school. I played football, basketball. I was going to go to college for that. Um, also wanted to study anthropology and sociology. was like my major in college. You nerd. I'm super nerd. <laughs> super nerd. Anthropology and sociology. Like, why? I'm just in the culture. Like, I, I have a Jewish mom, mm -hmm. black father, went to Hebrew school, went to Pentecostal church, studied Islam. Um, have an Arabic name with a Jewish mom. Was all that at the same time, by the way? Hebrew like, school and Pentecostal church was. like. So every weekend you were just like So confused. on the weekends, yeah. <laughs> not really. It was just kind of like, well, they don't recognize Jesus and they do. So what's the discrepancy there? I was never like, it was never felt to me like, when you grow up for those mixed kids, when you grow up in different cultures, you just start to recognize like people are different. And they're into different things. And then you either investigate why they're different or you don't give a fuck. Mm. Um, and you find your own path or you find a path that's most comfortable for you. Um, for me, it was about discovery and learning. Like, I, I, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood that was predominantly black, but I had Mexican neighbors and a white family lived across the street, right? Um, you know, I grew up in it when before we had a house and we lived in an apartment complex. You know, I had a, a white trash Harley Davidson driving, you know, neighbors downstairs who sold meth and used to beat each other with motorcycle chains but then across the street my best friend was half black and thai and he had brothers and his mom was from thailand and i had filipino friends and i had puerto rican friends i mean it's northern california right and if you know anything about northern california then you know it's very culturally mixed i went to my elementary school at five years old i went to thousand oaks elementary in berkeley california and it was like literally rastafarian kids with dreadlocks and Hasidic Jewish kids and just regular old black kids and Mexican kids and Asian kids and, you know, um, like the Hadi Krishna kids all went there. You know, it's Berkeley, so yeah. if you've ever been there, you'll just see, like, you'll be on Telegraph Ave and you'll see the Hadi Krishnas playing their drums and doing their chants and things like that. Hopefully I'm not, I'm saying it right, but Hari that's Krishna? Hari Krishna, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. Hadi Krishna kids sounded a little <laughs> you, crazy. Well, you, like, you're rolling the R, which is, like, weird to me. <laughs> Hari, 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 Hari Krishna. Yeah, that's not right. It's Hari Krishna. I, I think it's Hari. I think Krishna. so, but that but might, maybe not. might just be. I, I might just be white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Right. So anyway, I grew up around that. I was forever and ever and ever. Were and even in the mix of all of that, still had like racial people calling me, you know, nigger and shit like that. So at that same, the first time I got called nigger was at a school 
where all of those cultural mixes were taking place. Right? So, like, dealing with race and culture has been a part of my existence. I'm surprised that in, in liberal Berkeley, where, like, you're saying everybody, it's like a melting pot. Yeah. I don't even know how to phrase this Why question. Why was that kid using the N-word? Or like I mean, like, I guess okay? it's like it's also like a different time, yeah. Well, nah, he just wanted to fight, so I used to beat his ass every day. His yeah. name was, what was his name? I forget his name. Well, were you close enough with your brother, like, five years apart where he had the answers because he was older? No, nah, my brother's white. Okay. My brother's straight white. We have different dads. He didn't deal with any of the race stuff that I dealt with. Um, you know, my he was raised predominantly by my dad. He doesn't know his dad, but so he was kind of went to... Pentecostal church and mm-hmm. grew up basically from like five years old to like 10 years old around all black people mm-hmm. um, but doesn't isn't like the you know trying to be black white kid like right. still listen to Van Halen and ACDC and like was a regular old white kid who played volleyball and shit mm-hmm. right but had like a black grandmother and a black stepdad and so I don't know my my world is just very much different in that sure. way you know what I mean what was high school like for you were you so you were playing sports and you liked music. Were you playing any instruments? Were you in the band? Yeah, in elementary school. I played, like, the saxophone until, like, the seventh grade or something like that. And then you stopped because? I started playing sports, and I didn't feel like, you know, where we lived. We didn't live in the same neighborhood as my school, so I would have to carry the saxophone on my bike, and I used to ride my bike. Um, I probably rode a bike five or six miles both ways every day to go to school. Damn. to not Because my mom... You know, at about the fifth grade, the my neighborhood school was not a good one. So mm-hmm. I was um, actually got taken out of school when I was in third grade and got sent across town to like a rich neighborhood school because um, they had, what was that, like Mesa program, math, in, like the... Don't know. I don't know. Mensa, we didn't have any Mensa. Oh, okay. Mesa, yeah. One of them shits. So you were like gifted and talented sort of kid. Yeah, one yeah. of those programs. Yeah. So yeah. the school I went to, they I had great grades, but they felt like I was... Uh, a disturbance in class because the schoolwork was too easy. Mm-hmm. Right. So they moved me somewhere else. Was so that had, like that Albert Einstein complex? Is that what that is? Yeah. Right. Was that always the case where you were just like. I always got good grades. School yeah. was school and understanding concepts of what we're trying to accomplish with school was always something that was easy for me. My dad was, you know, my dad was very uh, educated in that way. Like he made a, school was a big deal. To the point of understanding, not just understanding the work, but understanding like why they're trying to get you to do the work and what the processes are. What do your parents do out in in the bay? Um, well, my dad was a uh, actually, ironically, was a major in radio and television at San Francisco State. He got his degree. Taught at Laney College in Oakland. Um, my mother was a legal secretary. Um, I don't. My mom went to some college, community college. Um, my dad, though, you know, ended up. You know, a lot of a lot of men in the '70s in the Bay Area, black men specifically, while they were very educated, chose to also hustle on the side and do illegal activity. So that stuff caught up with them. And when did you first find out about that? Oh, it was part of my whole life. Oh, okay. I was, I mean, my dad was always a hustler, as well as like you know, like intelligent. And I wouldn't call my dad a hoodlum, but you know, he trafficked guns and sold drugs and you know, hustled women a little bit, and just was always interested in that making that real money because mm-hmm. that's the problem i think a lot of making thirty thousand dollars a year after you go to college and you're a prideful black man you want it all you know what i mean like 
that's part of the issue is waiting generations for wealth was not like something that people felt comfortable doing. So they were like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to slang this. I'm going to get these millions now. Right. right. I want it right now. Well, okay. So you're talking to two guys. Like I majored in film. My parents were like in college and they were mm-hmm. just like, what? Like, no. Like, what are you doing? Right. right. You didn't have, you majored in American studies and what is right. that? Right. You're yeah. You teach. That's yeah. your, well, so, so you write a book or you teach. Right. Yeah. And, well, so, so you're thinking of, of. A major that's not exactly like you know. Yeah, there's no like job for it unless you're going to be like you're going to. Yeah, go to I Africa. wanted to. I, I really wanted to do like, um, field study in anthropology, mm-hmm. and I wanted to write books and like really do that. And were you ready for a life that wasn't going to be a mm. steady big paycheck? No, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely, I don't know. So Wait, was it going to be like indigenous? I was in radio. Like- I was in radio at 15. So by the time oh. I picked my college, my major in college, oh. it, I wasn't picking a major that I wanted to for career. Right. It was literally it that was, was a conversation I had with people. They were like, "Well, you're already in radio." So like, your first job is what? In radio? Yeah. yeah. At 15, what are you doing? Oh, I was um, I was worked in the research department at KSFM 102.5 in Sacramento. What format is that? Uh, you know what they call rhythmic CHR, okay. so like a popish. It's the equivalent of like before. It's the equivalent of what Hot ninety seven was before hip hop was a mainstream thing. So like dance, dancey, popular. Mm-hmm. What were they playing? Psh, man, everything from Prince and Madonna to uh, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson. You know. Mm. That was the format. You know, the format was all of those things in 88, 89, 90. Like, you know, NWA and these things and EPMD and, you know, the rap, what they, Eric B and Rakim, those things were played on feature shows at night and on the weekends. Like, you didn't have a rap format. What happened after high school? Um, I went to college. Where? Went to Sac State for a little while, Sacramento State. And how far mm-hmm. is that from where you were living? Not far. It's all right there on fucking northern Sacramento area. Uh, also went to Cal Berkeley for some summer school. Um, Did you go just semester. for like supplemental stuff or was it because you were failing? Or No, you don't go from Sac State to Cal Berkeley because you're failing. You actually, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and you know, it's like what, a nine, 90 minutes between the city, so mm-hmm. it's not really that big a deal. Were you living in the dorms? No, I had my own apartment. Oh, okay, that's cool. I was already in clubs. Like, I was doing clubs. What, what What were you doing in clubs? Playing music, DJing. Oh, you were DJing? DJing, hosting, throwing parties. What was Me your and, DJ name? Always Ebro. Okay. It was always Ebro since I was six months old. Mm-hmm. Never changed. What was before that? But the, Get the fuck out of me. <laughs> my mom's pregnant. Like, get off my titty. <laughs> so <laughs> Go you're, to sleep. You're, so you're DJing in the clubs. You're uh-huh. promoting... And are you on the radio? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was that part of it, or was that just like a side sort of thing that you were doing? Nah, like when I started, um, when I started, I would like answer phones and like do shout outs, right, mm. on the radio, and I would work in research. Then after that, um, a guy made me like the co-host of a show. His name's Davey D. Uh, not Davey D from KML, but right. Dave, another Davey D who used to work in Q93 in New Orleans with Wild Wayne and kind of a New Orleans thing. He moved to Northern California. He put me on the air. And we would just, we had a night show. And I would do, I mean, we'd do everything. I would I, I, I would bring in the, the hip-hop music and we would play those records. I also had a hip-hop show in the 90s in Sacramento that I would play records and do interviews and freestyles and all that shit. Would you run into any, like, sort of boundaries in terms of what you were playing with your program director? Always. I, I, I pitched for us to play rap on the radio. Because at the time, you only had Camiel 
1991 or two that went to a hip hop format. And then you had um, Hot 97 in New York City around the same time or near after that that went to a hip hop format. So I was like, yo, we need to be playing more hip hop. Like I was really fighting for it. And that got me in a lot of trouble. But um, because they were like, why aren't you focused on doing the shit we ask you to do? Right. Um, but, you know, that was what I was into. And yeah. that's what was popular with the kids. They when- wanted you to play CNC Music Factory. And you were like, <laughs> Barbie girl, don't disrespect me. <laughs> when did you first meet Sway and or Tech? Um, I don't remember the year, but it was somewhere around 93, 92, 93, you know, right in there. Was it like you guys were like running in the same circle? Yeah, you know, you'd see each other at the DNA lounge or Mm -hmm. you would see each other at, I forget those other clubs in the Bay that we would go to. Um, But just see out and about. And, you know, there was only four ways in California at the time in 93, 92, 93, where if you were making rap music, you could get on the radio. Obviously, Cameo, but if you was underground, it was Swain Tech with the Wake Up Show. Uh, you had Julio G at the beat in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure by this time Big Boy was doing Nights or the Baker Boys was doing that mm-hmm. thing. I don't know when they that came on. Um, and then you had me in Sacramento, California. So, And outside of California, when you go to Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Nevada, New Mexico, Las Vegas, all the way through the Midwest... Nobody's playing hip hop records like that. They're either in the club, they're on feature shows on the weekend. But if you are, you know, Sacramento's a top thirty market, so that's a big deal at the <laughs> time. So I had everybody coming through from Red and Meth to Social Mischief to the Far Side to Keith Murray to I have a freestyle session somewhere that's literally Souls of Mischief, Method Man, and Red Man all in the studio at the same time. <laughs> Crazy. Just bars. And then after my show was over, we'd all stand in the parking lot. Roll blunt, smoke weed, and just hang out outside and shit. That's how I met everybody. Was just and then my um, my team. We had a promotions team, marketing team called Conscious Vibes, and we would do like it's so nineteen ninety three. So nineties. Right? <laughs> you know what my show was called? No, the Flavor Show. Wow, yeah. super nineties. <laughs> um, so and we so we would do parties and concerts and all that shit. So I've been doing hip hop shows since like ninety three. Well, with all due respect to Sacramento, I think like. Everyone sort of sees if it's if it's in the if it's the top thirty market, it's not on the top end of it. No, not at all. But like, did you think that? And you were at the epicenter of that Sacramento like sort of scene, right? right? Did you think that there was more to your career than just Sacramento or just Northern California? Not at the time. I mean, you know, you're eight. I'm eighteen. So you know, you're you live a crazy life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just out here. Since you was lyric, it's fine. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, uh, I'm clear. Um, but I was just out here, man. I I didn't really, I wasn't really worried about money. I was really just in love with hip hop. Yeah, it was like hip hop was like, you know, me and my friends that came up. It was kind of like the way we communicated. It was our savior in life. Like it was really like we were in it. Like yeah. is what we cared about. What was the first show you went to? The fr- was it not the fr- was it Fresh Fest? Yeah, it was Fresh Fest. But it was, that was like '87. That was 86, but I was like 11. Mm-hmm. That was UTFO, LL Cool J. Wow. Um, and I was in the Bay. I was at the Cow Palace in the Bay and in Oakland. Man. And then, like, how did that affect you? Like, seeing hip-hop in front of you for the first time? You know, um, I was dope. You know, my, my cousins all listened to it, and, you know, I remember the time. I remember the first time I heard Dope Man, NWA, and was mm-hmm. like, you know, the first time I heard Ice Cube's voice. And was like, yo, who is that? I remember the first time I heard, you know, 
um, strictly business, EPMD. Like I remember like at my cousin Rudolph's house in the summertime and it was 88 and it was just like, I felt like I had found music that was mine, right? I felt like I had found music that was me and my friends. Mm -hmm. And I also felt like I had found people talking about things that I wanted to say. And so it was almost like, yeah, they're saying what I'm thinking. Like, this is how I feel. And I was, I had found like my shit. This is my shit. I don't remember my mom really caring about it. I mean, she cared about what I listened to for sure. Mm -hmm. Like she didn't, she didn't love rap by any stretch of the imagination at all. And you also got to remember that my mom was involved with my dad. My dad was, you know, uh, involved with the Panther movement and black right. nationalist mm -hmm. movement. And hip hop is an extension of the black nationalist movement in some regards. And so you have a woman with her son who doesn't want to see him go down the same path that people that she came up with, which is incarceration and frustration with the government and frustration with society. So I think that was part of her struggle of like trying to expose me to other things. Um, you know, my dad even was very much like, you know, you got to be careful with these ideas because I know people who never made it back from thinking this way. Mm -hmm. You have a couple of choices that you're going to make in life. One is if you're going to participate, don't let this shit drive you crazy. Figure out a way to win. And, you know, so my dad, while he had his emotional shortcomings and his violent streak and the shit, his hustling, he could articulate that to me very well he just wasn't able I, I think parents are kind of like that right like they can tell you what you're not supposed to be doing even if they can't do it right right, right. that's kind of the point of being a parent is right. you hope your kids are going to be better than you um so my dad was good in that regard were you listening to like obviously you're listening to nwa but did you branch off and listen to things like dj jazzy jeff and the fresh oh, of course yeah yeah, yeah love yeah. that first tape sure and but and 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 i loved and i loved uh public enemy Yo, bum rush the show. But I remember my first tape was Cool It Now, New mm. Edition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Michael Jackson Thriller. And when my mom bought me King of Rock, uh, Run DMC. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, so that was that was like my first tape that my mom bought me, I think, was that Run DMC. I mean, Raising Hell. Yeah, King yeah. of Rock, Raising Hell. When is the first time that you move away from Sacramento? Uh, 99. And what necessitated that? I was programming a station. Well, we had turned on, not we, but a lady had gotten a new signal in Sacramento. Um, so I worked at 102.5. She had gotten 103.5. She wanted to do a hip-hop station. I was the big personality that could do that. Plus, I had a marketing team, and she asked me to come work at her station. Um, I went, and I did it. You know, I got support from my couple of guys that I worked with. It was like, yo, if you go do that in a straight hip-hop, you'll be the man. Do it. So I did that. Um, turned on a straight hip hop station. So now um, you're programming. Now I'm programming in '97. And are you still an on air personality? And I'm doing afternoons. It's a lot. Um, and so and I'm turning on a new format. So we made it a, a whole everything: the marketing plans, the the imaging, the music. I did it all. Um, Do hiring talent, uh, getting talent prepared to go on the air, mix shows. I did everything. And then in and that started '97. By '99, Paul Allen who owns the, you know, at the time on the Mariners and the Blazers, bought an AM station in Portland, Oregon, by the name of KXL. That KXL AM came with an FM. Hmm. Rashid Wallace, <laughs> who was playing for the Trailblazers, did a hip-hop show 
on what the Z100, it's literally called Z100 in Portland, Oregon. He did a show. He did a radio show. He was a personality. On air. Him <laughs> and his team, and they would come on Saturday nights. Cause what that's was what it called? I forget. That's I amazing, remember. though. Yeah, I remember. But the sheet in the straight hits. <laughs> no, it was cooler than that. It was like it was like Rashid and the Fam. Might have been and the Fam. Okay, okay, and the Fam. <laughs> um, and uh, so Paul Allen, mind you, mm-hmm. was like, "Fuck it, I'll take the FM and put Rashid Wallace on the entire station." Because he didn't give a fuck about the FM. He That's, only cared about the AM because right. he wanted to carry the Blazers game and the Mariners game and the Seahawks games in Portland. Yeah. Not in, you know, outside of Seattle. He felt like that was the thing. So anyway, he hired a program director and then they wanted to actually turn it into a real radio station, not Rashid Radio. <laughs> and so they called me to do mornings in Portland, Oregon. What's that phone call like? It was a guy that I knew was a program director. He was like, I need help turning this hip-hop station thing on and making it mean something. And I had already done it in 97, 98. We took the station to number one and beat the guys that I worked with. So there's nothing left to do in Sacramento? Yeah, I mean, it was like, all right, cool. So what I did was the lady I worked for, I said, look, I'm going to still program for you in SAC, but I'm going to do mornings in Portland. Hmm. So I would commute back and forth between Portland and SAC between 99 and 2001. I'd do mornings in Portland helping them. And then in the afternoons, I would work satellite program in SAC. And then on weekends, come back to Sacramento and condition and uh, For how long? I did until two years. How'd you find Portland like to be just... I love Portland. Yeah? Love Portland. Like right when you got there. Yeah, I love it. Um, the people are great. The lifestyle's great. The 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 different. You guys have watched Portlandia, sure, mm-hmm. yeah. of course. That is real. Yeah. <laughs> like different quadrants of the city. You have northeast. You have southeast. You have northwest. You have southwest. Each quadrant, so it's separated by the Willamette River, and then Burnside is another street. Each quadrant has its own kind of vibe and energy. Hmm. It's a real thing. The people are different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved it. I had a great time. How did you find Paul Allen? Uh, never hung out with him other than a couple of conversations, but he's like a straight hippie cool dude. Like, he plays in a band. You know that uh, Jimi Hendrix experience? Yeah, 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 like, he's a big guitar player, had a band. I remember one time the GM of the station was, like, playing me his music, like, so Paul Allen has a CD coming out. <laughs> I'm like, do we have to play it? He's like, yeah, no. in rotation. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm like, yeah. well, would it be a good idea if we played it one time? I was like, because I'll play it one time <laughs> and talk about Paul Allen's got a record out and then giggle and play it. So we did that. He was fine. He, he didn't mind it. So you're in Portland. You're running stuff up there. You're comfortable. Now you are there for, in your mind, the long term? Um, I No, it was never long term. Um, you know, I always understood that in radio you had to take steps, but I didn't really know where those steps would lead me. You should have asked Rashid. <laughs> Rashid. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I was just in Portland doing mornings, and uh, somewhere after 9-11, you know, um, I had gotten an offer to come to New York in 2001. This is before 9-11. Um, Tracy Clordy, I reached out through some label folks. And I wasn't into it um, coming to New York. I didn't want to... To do what? To be music director and uh, assistant program director. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't into it because I was getting my money in Seattle and Portland and Sacramento. So I had the whole Northeast was mine. I had Northwest, Northwest yeah. Or Northwest yeah. was mine. I mm-hmm. had, you know... I was doing events, I was doing clubs, I was doing mornings, I was programming a station, like I was, you know, I had money. Yeah. Mm. It was money was good. I wasn't going to now now go start again and have to get my credibility up in New York. That was my mindset at the time in mm. 2001. By um 
mid to late 2002, after 9-11, um, I was kind of like, you know what? I need to make it. Am I really going to just be in Portland? Am I really? I don't have kids, and if I'm going to make a move, I need to do it now before I have other mouths to feed. Or, Did you know anyone in New York? Yeah, I mean, label folks. You know, um, my buddy had moved out here with his wife. Um, a guy I went to high school where he lives in Brooklyn now. He teaches and does other shit. His wife is a lawyer. Red and meth were out here, yeah. 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 Red and meth, <laughs> you know, they are running run around somewhere. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the people, like, whether it's the it, the executives at the labels I've known since I was a kid, hmm. like 15, 16 years old. So uh, whether I've known Steve Rifkin since he started Loud. I've known uh, L.A. Reid since he started LaFace. I've known Sylvia Roan. I've known, uh, man, I'm trying to think who's still in the game. Um, Lior, Leo. I used to sell weed to Lior <laughs> back in the day. Todd um, Moskowitz. How was the weed that you were selling I didn't know Todd. to, to Lior? My weed was bomb. I used to sell <laughs> Lior when he came through Sack. I always had the weed. Mm-hmm. I always had. The you weed. were just giving him like. I've known his brother seeds. longer than him, Monty Shulman. Yeah. Who would who would Lior bring? Uh, Artist wise, nobody. Yeah. Like okay. his, you know, he would just be with his brother doing events or whatever the fuck was happening. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's how I met him. When was the first time you met Jay Z? I met Jay-Z, not till I moved to New York, so that had to be 03, 04. So moving to New York, taking the job um, as music director at Hot 97 Mm -hmm. brings a certain cachet, or is it immediate that that you recognize that, like that? Yeah, no, I know what New York means. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, and also once you come to New York and you work here, you can get a job anywhere. So that was a part of my rationale was let me go ahead and take this risk. What the worst thing that has happened is I fail, um, and I'm looking for another radio job. But once you've gone to New York, you can go anywhere. And what did they see in you that that made them want to bring you to New York and and essentially do something different, right? Um, for me to do something different? Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, They're bringing you in for a Well, reason. I had already programmed. Yeah. So I was already a program director and I was on air since I was 15 years old. So those that's kind of that mix of doing that both mm-hmm. successfully. Usually you have program directors who weren't good on air or on air people who never had a desire to be a program director. Um, the fact that I had done both and I had did them in a specific format, which was hip hop, was why... Tracy saw in me like yo you could come here and analyst and they had just gotten competition which turned on in March 2002 which was Power 105 mm-hmm. and Hot 97's you know the golden era Hot 97 shit existed in a space where they didn't have any competition mm-hmm. so now you're faced with competition where people have a choice and you gotta really be about your programming shit yes you gotta have the cultural aspects too but you gotta be able to be a savvy programmer mm-hmm. with and by savvy programmer I mean someone who knows the the who's wins why's and how to balance those the art and the culture right mm-hmm. and when to lead with the art mm-hmm. and when or excuse me art and science is what we call it when you're leading with art and when you're leading with the science of how you you know, uh, put a clock together the hour by hour of where things get placed and how, what the jocks are saying and how they say it, and et cetera, et cetera. Who did you know on the staff coming into New York? Nobody. No one. Just Tracy. And how did you make an impression? Did you, like, knock people's things off their desks? <laughs> like, you know, sort of like a power play? I just went in and just flipped shit over. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking here, B, what y'all want to do? And I didn't do shit, man. I just introduced myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know... There was there were definitely people who weren't happy about me getting the job that worked there and thought they deserved the job, um, 
you know, so those people were standoffish, but I didn't give a fuck. So you're coming in there, and the morning show is who at that point? Star and Buck. Star and Buck. Yeah. Who was doing the 10 to 1 shift? Was that? Uh, I think Big they had Dennis? just hired Sonny at that oh, time. Oh, Sonny, right. Sonny okay. Anderson was now on a cooking. Yep, board, yep, right? yep. Mm-hmm. And then she subbed for Angie when yep, Angie yep. went on yep. pregnancy leave. That's right. And then Flex did his show, and then it was just. And then Scoop did overnights. And right, yeah. Scoop was overnight guy. Various guys would, would, the DJs would do after Flex, right? Well, that was before I start. I didn't start that, which was the Midnight Mixtapes. We didn't start that until 2005, 2006. That was much later. But you're dealing with, uh, who are some of the other DJs who were there? Clue would do Monday nights. Remember, Clue came on on Mondays. Uh, K Slay was same slot. Um, Camillo was only on when they had mixed weekends. Enough was doing drive time with Angie at that time. Mr. C was doing throwback at noon. Um, Absolute. Absolute was only when we did, you know, mixed weekends. Sife. Sife was only on when, no, that hadn't started yet. That didn't start until 05, 4, 5-ish. Okay. Um, Oh, Green Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Green Lantern was, once again, he only came on when we did. You know, and this would remember early two thousands. These guys would put out a mixtape with the Hot Nine Seven logo on it, and they was allowed to use the logo. And yeah. that shit would, you know, you could sell twenty thousand of those. Yeah. Oh. Uh, at fucking three dollars a pop. Who kid? Who kid came later? Yeah. You know, all that shit was later. Man. So, so what was the what was the big change that you sort of, sort of instituted? Yeah. I, what I is mean, your legacy? <laughs> what is my legacy? Um. I mean, most of the stuff at that time from probably 2003 when I got there until Sife and Rosenberg came on, mm-hmm. which was 2009, mm-hmm. is that right? Mm-hmm. Eight, nine. Mm-hmm. Um, was really just making sure the brand stayed the leader in the city. Like, there wasn't, like, a problem, per se, where you need... I mean, you got fucking Flex Angie Martinez. You know, Mornings blew up a couple of times. We went from Sway... Oh, we went from Star and Buck... Envy and Joe Button did a thing, and yep. we, you know, and then we brought Sway in. Sway brought in Miss Info. Um, then Sway left, and we, you know, Miss Info wanted to keep doing it, and so then Star and Buck went across the street, yep. and so then we brought in Miss Jones because we knew that would irritate him, mm-hmm. so and create some sort of controversy. And Miss Jones was in there with Envy yep. and myself for a while, right? And then, um, and Miss Info was in there, and then I phased out because that was never what I came to do at that time. And then, you know, it was misinfo, da, da, da. Then you had Smack, you know, and we had started Smackfest before that. And then Miss Jones kind of came in the middle of that. We did that another time. Then you had the Tsunami song incident, which shit then blew up again. And then that was crazy for a time. Then Miss Jones, uh, we didn't renew her contract. She went and did, we, she was doing New York and Philly at the same time. So then she just went on and did Philly. Then we brought in Siphon, I wanted to do Siphon Rosenberg, but the corp, corporate wanted us to do Big, Big Boy. Boy. So we did Siphon Rosenberg early for a while with Big Boy on. Big Boy didn't survive, so we put Siphon Rosenberg on. So about Big Boy, he's very like, you know, of LA. He seems like a... Well, he's a he's a he's an LA icon in that regard. Yeah, a radio right. guy that he's from LA, grew up in LA, and so. that sound didn't work here. Didn't work here. Yeah. But like, how did it feel for you being on the inside? Was that something so corporate? It was painful. Wanted it? Yeah, yeah. It was painful. 
you you were always under the impression that I mean, Big Boy's my boy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And we get along, but during that time, we didn't really get along so well because I was trying to get him to do more local stuff. I only gave a fuck about New York. Mm-hmm. Like I still only give a fuck about New York. It's where I live. You know yeah. what I mean? And this is I feel like the brand Hot ninety seven is at its best when we're doing that well. Yeah. Do you believe in syndication as an idea? I think syndication is great for some things. Um, like Jeopardy, yeah. <laughs> Wheel of Fortune, right? Those are it's great, um, but those for are, morning shows and for like radio like, specifically, I feel like for Hot ninety seven, mm-hmm. it needs to be about New York as much as possible. I think that's the thing that makes us great mm-hmm. is that we are a New York radio station. Yeah, um, can you talk about the first time that that Power made some sort of an impression on you? Power one hundred five. Oh no, Sorry, Power one hundred five is a, down the block. Yeah, 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 yeah the down station. the dial. <laughs> um, well, because we had Power one hundred six in L.A. So right, yeah, sure. right, yeah, right, we were talking right, about yeah, Big Boy, so yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure. <laughs> um, you know, always, I always thought it was a good radio station. It is a good radio station, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but was it like? But an, it's just a. It's in my mind the way I would still tell it to the team. But it's just a radio station. We have to mean more than just being on the radio. We have to be a part of the community. Mm-hmm. We got to be a part of the fabric, and that comes with shit. You know, it's, it's a gift and a curse, which is why we have so much. We catch so much fucking heat, and like, and it's fucking on us, right? right. Because you, that's a part of being a part of a family. Is that you know, people look to you for shit if you they feel like you fucked up, they come for you. Right. You know, um, and just like being part of the family, like when you do a great job, everybody's like, well, that's what the fuck you're supposed to be doing. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So, and, and especially in hip hop and in New York, you know, if we fuck up, people tell us about us. Right. But the um, the but Nas the, thing. Yeah. Yeah, what about it? At when, Summer Jam. Yeah, at Summer Jam. And yeah. then he went, he ran up to power. That felt to us as listeners like the first time that they sort of like established themselves as something yeah no they established themselves as a you know as an outlet for artists who are mad at us right. <laughs> <laughs> and also, people yeah, and DJs. staff yeah, yeah. and All the whole staff. shit yeah. and it's yeah. still that way yeah what about the the sort of exodus of hot 97 talent to power 105 like over the years which yeah i was about to say which time <laughs> yeah so it's like it clue, happened, it happened, it happened regularly yeah. like yeah but that's part of when we're like all right you know, we have to make a tough decision here. Like, mm-hmm. what does this mean to us? And what is our plans moving forward? Like, you know, any decision that we've made is based on some, you know, usually based on some real heavy dialogue about, all right, this is going to pop up over there. What does that mean? And mm-hmm. how long is it going to take for us to recover from it? Right. And so with planning Siphon and, and Peter and them doing the morning show, your idea was a more like, fast-moving internet age type of yeah. you know viral video yeah. comedic show well we had gone down the viral video path with Smackfest, right right that was early youtube 2004 so we already kind of knew what that meant but we didn't know how that translated into actually people turning on the radio right um so that we were still kind of figuring that out i think everybody was like and even to this day, like, how do you use social media to make people do another behavior? Right? right. Like, the one behavior is I saw it, I discovered it, but then how do you get them to beha- do another thing? Right. Smack them. <laughs> Beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Or pay them. Yeah. These or are all great ideas. All great ideas. <laughs> yeah. There's no bad ideas in this room. Right. So, um, yeah. So, Siphon Rosenberg was like, I, right, you know, what can we do that's different than, the, than what people expect of the brand? What can we do? People love fun. People love funny. But how can we do that differently and by use, and still be very New York? 
Mm-hmm. And that was the idea. Did you understand what Juan Epstein meant from the beginning? Of course. Okay. I mean, I you know, for for them, what I told them was you guys want to be like Howard Stern, but you're never going to be able to do long-form talk anytime soon on the morning show. It's going to be short, inter- interstitial things just from the behavior of the audience and the fact that you're new. Like, you have to earn the right to just talk. Right about nonsense like you have to have a great relationship with your audience to be able to just go you know what what do i feel today well my toast is burnt (laughs) and i got a fucking pimple on my ass like you got to really be able to have tenure in the game to behave that way Mm -hmm. i don't know that's great radio (laughs) is it (laughs) talking about your pimple toast yeah yeah. (laughs) right um, but, you know, like whatever it is, they needed to earn it. So you're going to need another outlet. You guys should create a podcast. So how come Hot 97 never literally bought into it? Um, Because there's no money in it. Where's the money at? So well, for us. Ads. Yeah, but ads from who and how much and what do we got to spend to do it? I mean, we still had a conversation today. Like who's going to manage it? Mm-hmm. How much do we have to pay them? That's a cost. Mm-hmm. And then who's going to produce it, do all the other work that's involved with it? Where is it going to, where are we going to store it at? Mm-hmm. Right? That's what, those are all costs associated. So for someone to go down that path, they got to then also see the sales opportunity on the other side. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we are real careful about, and this is a company-wide thing with the people who own Hot and Power 106 in LA, which is Emmis, is they're very meticulous in, on saying, okay, what do we do well? Let's do that. We can't. Just because something's new and cool doesn't mean that that's one of our strengths. Do you think that's why it took so long to get your digital operations moving in the right direction? I think so. I think, you know, like we had, like I said, you know, we were one of the first big radio station websites, right? We were one of the first people to put up like mixtapes on digital and do all that shit. Yo, the Monet- most important thing, sorry, before you like you go on with that, the most important thing you guys used to do was put up your playlist. playlist. Yeah, playlist was I killing. I feel like you guys were the first ones that were yeah, starting to do that. We did that. Um, and that was one of our biggest pages. And, you know, but monetizing that and having people that have the relationships with the advertisers to go get that money, mm-hmm. it's not as easy as just being successful at something. You got to have a team that's able to go get it um but that also has a cost so are you going to pull money from you know your stockholders and shareholders and say we're about to make another reinvestment in something else that we don't really understand Mm -hmm. nor does anyone else by the way like we're just getting to the point now in 2016 where people in the last four years have figured out how to monetize all this shit Mm -hmm. so imagine what we were talking about in 2009 8 7 8 9 and remember what 789 was economic crash sure so they wasn't talking about buying shit <laughs> or spending on shit like at that time right they were talking about they were trying to survive as media as a company and a, and a very small company that only owns 20 radio stations and you have these big behemoth cbs's and and uh uh you know iheart of mm-hmm. course and um what's the other ones fucking cumulus or whatever yeah fuck, you know Etc. 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 That own hundreds of radio stations. So you, you own twenty, and you only have two in one format. They happen to be New York and L.A., but you have to roll out sales efforts that can compete with these big behemoths out here. So, you know, we were stretched thin. What did it mean to you personally and professionally when Angie and Minya left Hot ninety seven? Um, it was hurtful. Um, but it's also a place I've been before. You know, um, 
It's part of the business. It's nece- It's a necessary part of the business. Um, and shit, when I left in 1997 from my friends and people who raised me in this game and went to go compete against them and literally start a brand new station that literally I took to number one and people lost their jobs where I used to work because of what I turned on. Like, I've seen that movie before. Um, you know, I've seen all of this stuff before and it's necessary. So... While it's hurtful and it's sad, and I'm, you know, the way Angie wrote about it in her book, you know, of course I was mad, but I was more mad about the fact that someone I love is about to do something that goes against everything that I would like to do as a competitor, right? Having her go on the radio and say goodbye is not what I want to do as a warrior in radio what i want to do is now i'm looking at you as competition because i know what the next step is going to be what i want to do is not let you go on the radio and have everybody be like yo what the fuck happened and then you pop up somewhere else but i can't do that to somebody i couldn't do that to somebody i love so i was more mad at the fact that i was letting my love for somebody get in the way of a normally a call that i would make to slit a throat and be like nah you know what we're gonna do you not going on the radio today the shit is done and it's just quiet and everybody's like, yo, because this, the saying goodbye set her up. Mm-hmm. So that's the gift. The gift was the setup. The gift was, you know, the gift was the setup. See, but you should have plugged more Hot 97 things in her goodbye thing. <laughs> yeah, but it, the gift was the setup. That's yeah. the gift. You yeah. know, because normally it doesn't play out that way. And, may, and when you look at media, it does not. If someone's allowed to say goodbye, mm-hmm. that they are giving you the gift, right? You think Kelly Ripper wanted Michael Strahan to be have this long goodbye as he teed up? Right. Of course she doesn't, but Disney, who owns ABC, does because they're setting up Good Morning America, right? Right. You know, so when you see that, that's the well, gift. that's and that's extremely complex, being as like the same sort of corporate, you know, right. overlords. Right. Can you talk about when? Papoose showed up on Summer Jam stage during Kendrick's set. Like, what? What was going through your mind? Yeah. What was going? Yeah, I guess through your mind. Why is he? Why is he gonna go out here and body himself like that? Well, <laughs> usually. And, and also keep in mind, you know, he's a rapper, man. They take any moment to grab that mic, and you know, if you want to be on in this game, and somebody hands you a microphone on the largest stage. Oh, sure. And and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's three minutes left on the clock. You can have my last three minutes. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm not going to. I mean, he's supposed to take no, no, that. But aside, aside from him and what he was going to do, you, we've we've seen you at Summer Jam yell at the biggest artist. And right. it, this is your show. And as you said, like things run well, it's, according it's, to your schedule. It's our show yes. as, a, as a collective. But my job is to make sure that it runs on time. Correct. So that we don't have to pay fines and fees. Yeah. I needed the extra time. Kendrick was done. We there was still three minutes on the clock, and the next artist wasn't ready. Fuck it. Go ahead, Pat. <laughs> I just oh, wanted to hear. I mean, the biggest mistake he made was not playing a hit. Biggest flaw you can make on Summer Jam stage is doing a new record, unless of course you're one of the one of those guys. Sure. There's probably like three guys who could do a new record up there. When's the first time you met Kanye? Um, I met Kanye over the. Well, he called me first about through the wire. But he was already a heavy hitter with enough, so right. he had been at the station. But they put out a heavy hitter. There's a heavy hitter Kanye West mixtape. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so it was through the wire. Had been playing since like February, two thousand three, 
right? His album came out in 2004, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 First album. And so we had been playing through the wire, and it was kind of like we had it. And they then Def Jam, then Def Jam decided, oh, okay, we're going to make this something. And I was just kind of like, yeah, but we've been playing this record since fucking last <laughs> February. Like, what? And he called me and was like, yo, I really need your help, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we kept playing a little bit longer, but I was like, bro, be honest with you, I need a new record. And he gave us uh, the All, uh, Falls, All Down. Falls Down, but mm-hmm. the Lauryn Hill version mm-hmm. with the Lauryn Hill where yeah, he right. chopped her from the MTV yeah. Unplugged. Um, so we was playing that record, and then that record started th- blowing up, but then she didn't clear her vocal. She cleared her words on her vocal. Um, so by the time the album came out, you had the Selena Johnson version, and mm-hmm. the video came out. So we kind of met through that whole thing. Do you think that Kanye... He did SOBs that year, too. I think. Yeah. yeah. Do you think who's that, next? Do you think that Kanye would succeed as a new artist today with like PPM and and the restrictions that you have on playing records. Yeah, I think so. I think what it comes down to now um and even then a lot of people try to blame PPM it comes to how creatively you are about breaking music. Mind you, we had on hot when we had more money to pay because you know a lot of people don't know that the reason we don't do the midnight mixtapes anymore is because budget cuts and we have to pay because it's a union you got to pay after so you got to pay i got to pay people who open that microphone a certain rate hmm. which amortized over a year in a budget could turn into tens of thousands of dollars and so when the cutbacks started happening in 2007 2008 the first things to go you start from you start from the bottom right and you start cutting board ops Late night mix show DJs, you start cutting, you know, interns, phone up people who answer phones, you start cutting, cutting, cutting. Yeah. And so, um, you know, those were ways that we were breaking records before. Using different now we use to break records and get feedback, we use five o'clock news, which is why we do that, right? Or we use the new it two, or we use, you know, um Scotty Beams put you on playlist that she puts up. You know, those are all ways of us seeding ideas to the audience, seeing what right. people respond to and then pick them and then play them in other day parts. So then you would go, All right, we're playing this new it two, we're playing it here and here. All right, let's see what happens in the way they respond when we start playing this with Flex. Mm-hmm. Now let's open this up to the you know the rush hour with Camillo and you know Nessa, and then let's research it a little bit more. Okay, now it's really performing where we need to see it perform. Now we open it up to all day parts. Um, in 2016, what's more influential, Hot 97 or Beats Music? It's different. Um, I think Beats Music is more of a new artist influence, where Hot 97 is more of a mainstream artist influence, right? So you have, like, to me, in my mind, you have tiers, right? So you have things that break on the internet. Mm-hmm. Then you have things that, bre- well, let me rephrase that. You have things that break on music blogs and sites. So that they start, boom. And super hyper-focused music nerds go find them. Mm-hmm. Then you have, I found something, the sharing that those then music nerds take from a music blog that's maybe small and then goes up and filters up to the regular blogs and the billboards and the things. So that's even bigger. In there somewhere you have, you know, trending on Twitter, SoundClouds and all these other things. Then you have Beats who's grabbing at that moment like, okay, this is really looking like it's shaping up to be something or this individual is looking like they're making great records. Let's go give them more tools and more platforms and then take them from the streaming service because terrestrial radio now, regular FM radio is like network. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. like fucking, you know, the top of the top, right? And that's 
at that point, that's like everybody. So the streaming services are that kind of moment now. You know, Beats 1 is taking a record, staying on it, owning it, supporting it, filtering it into Apple Music even more, highlighting it, social media, events, mm-hmm. interviews, da-da-da, to then give even more metrics to the FMs that are looking for, you know, what's the next big thing that we need to stand next to? Because Beats 1 is the very cool of the cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, if you're listening to Beats 1 and you're using Apple Music, you know, you have a different level of music interest than the average person. Right. And that's just research. But they also get, like, these crazy exclusives that High 97 can never compete with. Oh, facts. Yeah. Facts. So, like, so like when they're dropping, like, Drake. Yeah, but you also have to factor in that Drake, iTunes, Apple Music. No. I it's mean, a, like, it, in that regard, it becomes, like, it's a part of the release of the project. Right. And a revenue stream, right? Like, you also have to factor in that Apple Music is a streaming service. Like, they have to give you ways to subscribe. Hot 97 is a free thing that is given away, streamed around the world for free on FM. So, Mm -hmm. monetizing Hot 97 to benefit the artist is... Impossible. it's It's not a revenue model for them. Streaming services are a revenue model now for artists and how they release their music. Was it tough to get people to do Summer Jam for a while? Because I feel like because now all these other cities have Summer Jam-like events. No, what's become hard is the fact that you have Live Nation and AEG who now can say, hey, so-and-so, I'm going to give you $150 million if you go on tour between this time and this time because they have all these venues. But also like Governor's Ball, you have the same weekend as, uh, I guess Roots Picnic doesn't really like... Um, no, that's on Saturday. With you. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. is there any thought that Roots Picnic actually moved closer to Summer Jam to because they knew they could benefit hmm. from some of the Back going the day before? Yeah. yeah. So wait, do, does anybody? Um, is there any? Is there any thought of you guys moving Summer Jam to a, a weekend where it's not Governor's Ball? No. Why would we back off our weekend? You back off your weekend. Mm. You guys have one hip hop act, and we embrace this shit. Day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Now you can go out and pay a lot more money than we can pay because you're not. We're just a, a radio. We're a radio station doing a cool moment. Mm-hmm. You guys do concerts for a living, right? So obviously you're going to bundle, and your margins are much different than ours, right? But we're not. We serve the people of New York City that love hip hop and R and B. Governor's Ball is a festival that serves a music fan. Like it's a. I think it's a completely different offering, and if you're going to one, you're not interested in the other. We're serving radio fans, man. Yo, our fans are so cool for Hot 97. We told them to wait in their cars. They waited in their cars for hours. Then came in, chilled, and stayed with us, locked until 1.30 in the morning. I don't give a fuck where you are on planet Earth. You likely don't have fans like that. Right. Not as a radio station. That were that cool? Yeah, they were mad they didn't get to see Future. Yeah, they were mad things didn't happen right. We're mad too. We're mad together. Fuck, shit happens. Yeah. We'll be back next year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we'll rock again, and hopefully it's smoother. Um, But they was mad when Nicki Minaj didn't perform. Right. They was mad years before that when Rihanna didn't perform. People forget that because it wasn't on social media. Mm-hmm. Was this year more stressful or less stressful than when Nicki didn't uh, come out? Uh, Less. That was the most stressful, you think? Um, No. no. Okay. What was the most stressful? <laughs> Um, most stressful summer jam. <laughs> summer jam is a series of stresses. <laughs> yeah. So you can't really say that the oh, 
if, to survive it mentally and physically, you can't lump it all into one thing. You got to look at it and go, that was awesome. That sucked. This was phenomenal. That was the worst shit ever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you have to parse it out. Otherwise, you're just down on yourself. Like, yeah, Future didn't perform, but Kanye West and Good Music did something they've never done on earth before. I had them all on stage at the same time, sharing a stage for an hour. Never happened. Now, people are going to focus on the, sh- the negative because we know what blogs and people do. But I had Kanye West. I had Kim Kardashian streaming her husband performing live, talking about, this is amazing. I've never seen this before. That's great, man. Like, so you're not, there's not a negative thing that's going to help me or, or prevent me from not looking at the great things that we accomplished. What's the, be- what's the, the biggest summer gym surprise that didn't happen? Not this year, just like in general. Um, well, the Nicki Minaj thing was going to be, she was going to bring out Nas on some queen shit. Nas was going to bring out Lauren. And, and Nas ended up having this whole set. Well, yeah, because yeah. we convinced him backstage to do his own thing and then bring out Lauren. But that was going to be all bundled together. So you would have had Lauren and Nicki Minaj on the stage at the same time, which would have been great for, mm-hmm. you know, MCs and shit like that. Yeah. Um, and female MCs specifically. Um, they're supposed to be the uh, Fab was supposed to bring out Lil Kim and, and Foxy. 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 That Foxy didn't happen. Late. Yeah. yeah. But by the way, that whole set was unbelievable. Well, this wasn't last year's Fab. This was oh, Fab. Right. Uh, two years ago, maybe. Yeah. Or three even. Fab last point. year was amazing. But Fab last yeah. year was amazing yeah. too. Yeah. Um, that's got to be like an incredible undertaking, and also probably not enough room in his green room to house everybody. Yes. <laughs> the the dressing we definitely have a space issue back there, <laughs> but you know people want to make it work, and I think people want to do something amazing for they want to do it for the culture. What are some connections that you've made between artists that you can take credit for? Um, I probably I wouldn't take credit for them. Um, that's not my style, really. Um, you know, I I try to facilitate a lot of shit. You know, just yesterday I set the mayor up with Kanye West. Cause that's oh, you actually real, did do it. That's a real thing. I saw your Instagram, trying, yeah. but that's that's amazing. Yeah. So I mean, that's cool. I mean, something yeah. may happen, something may not. We don't know. That's um, really awesome. You know, um, there's a lot of just you know I know people. Hook people right. up. I mean, that's just part of the business. Hopefully, you've been in the game a long time. You've been operating on a high level for a long time. You are a parent now. You've been in the city for a long time. Does it ever get tiring hearing all the crap that you get on social media or if people dare say it to your face or whatever? Like, oh, does I that feel ever... like you revel in it. You but like, love no, but, the I, hate. but I wonder, like, you know, does that ever get tiring? Um, I think the only piece, the only piece for me that gets tiring is the lack of comprehension. Over the period of time that I've literally been trying to be as transparent with everyone about how shit works right. and why it works the way it does is like, all right, guys, we've been over this, <laughs> all right? Like, yeah. I don't make the rules on music research. I'm just explaining to you what we, the systems we go through. And by the way, this is a business. This ain't your bedroom and this ain't your SoundCloud page, right? Like, we are going to play songs that get us the most listeners. Nobody that works in radio likes the repetition in radio. The only people who like it are the analytics people who know that that's how we get ratings because of the tune-in, tune-out factor of how people use it. Most people aren't listening to the radio all day long. They listen from point A to point B. Mm Mm-hmm. 
They listen when they're in their car. They're paying attention to it yeah. periodically through their day at work, based yeah. on conversations they're having. They turn the radio up, they turn it down, they turn it up, turn it down. Nobody's glued to the station all fucking day. That has a job, mm-hmm. a family, a commute, right? And those are the people that the advertisers want. The advertisers don't give a flying fuck about you in your bedroom on your Twitter account all day. They just don't. Unless, of course, you in your bedroom on your Twitter account or SoundCloud all day or YouTube channel all day has garnered enough audience to where they want to advertise with you because you have, you know, uh, uh, that's it. That's the game. Now, unfortunately, we love music so much that we take it personal when music is disrespected. Mm -hmm. So I get that. Like, I understand that feeling of being like, nah, fuck that. This shit is trash. Turn this shit off. Right. I get it. Right. So I'm not mad when people are like that. I'm I'm actually happy, whether it's happiness or anger, sadness, whatever it is, that people give a fuck. Right. That's the danger. When people don't give a fuck, then we're in trouble. I'm we could argue about bars all day. <laughs> I'm just happy people want to do it. Yeah. Like I'm happy that people want to battle rap. I may not like it and think it's, you know, something that's for me, but I'm happy that they give a fuck about the culture still. Like, that's all I care about. People, if I'm happy that I'm somebody that people can be mad at, right? Like, I'm happy to be that person for everybody. That's what the Blame Me Bro shit's all about. Right. Like, if you don't really want to understand what's happening, you just want to be mad at somebody, blame me. That's cool. <laughs> you're, you know, you're not supposed to understand. And in some ways, I don't want you to be jaded by the business. I want you to just, fuck, that sucks, man. Fix it now. <laughs> Entertain me, goddammit. I'm cool with that. <laughs> you know? That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so we have one more question, I believe. Yes. Which is that uh, our friend Ashley believes that there are two types of people in this world. All right. There's trash uh-huh. and there's garbage. <laughs> now the question is, what are you? What are you? I'm trash. Yeah. yeah. I'm trash. We're, We're trash. definitely trash. Because yeah, I can be trashy. I'm definitely not garbage. No. <laughs> garbage is different. No, that's definitely garbage not. Garbage is different. We have friends who are uh, who are garbage. Our brother is garbage. Our brother is garbage. Yeah. Why? I don't, we don't know. know. I, I don't think know. That he's like, just lashing out. <laughs> it's like a frustration thing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so do you have you been able to articulate the difference between trash and garbage? Actually, you I know mean, what's it, funny? I in think talking it's a, to people. Yeah, it's a, it's a person by person thing. But like some people just sort of offer up that whole like one man's trash is another man's treasure. And we're like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Like, that's really good. Right. That makes sense. But no man's garbage is another man's garbage. <laughs> garbage. <laughs> Yo, Ebro, thank you for coming through. Yeah, no problem, man. Huh. Okay. I like that. (laughs) All right. All right. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Waste Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if people want to find more episodes just like this one, where can they go? You can go on full screen. Go get that full screen app. Yeah. Eric, did the full screen hit? Top secret. Please sign up for the full screen app. It's a real good look. It's a lot of fun. They're shooting it in a really cool way. Our apartment looks dope. You should sign up for it. Also, SoundCloud, iTunes. Go on iTunes. Leave us a nice comment, will you? Yeah, go on SoundCloud. Leave us a nice comment. Just, we appreciate you subscribing. We appreciate you guys listening. We want everyone out there to listen to a waste of time with It's The Real. Jeff, do you have a friend that you want to tell to listen to It's The Real? Yes, but you go first. Okay. I think of it. Okay. I'm going to tell our friend... 
Leah Palmieri, whose birthday it was on Saturday. Happy birthday, Leah, our breakfast meeting buddy. Leah listens to the podcast, but Leah needs to tell all of her friends to listen to A Waste of Time with It's Real. Jeff, do you have a friend that you want to tell? Yes, I want to tell Rob Markman. Rob Markman, the journalist, the genius, the, the hip-hop head. He is our friend. Our friend. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, he just did a, an interview with Designer over at Genius that I think he did a very good job uh, doing. Yep, shout out to everyone at Genius. I think that uh, Rob Markman is doing big things, and he should listen to our podcast. Rob, listen to A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Actually, or if people want to tell Rob Markman, I don't think he's going to listen to it until yo, people tell him. Go at Rob Markman, just like it sounds, right? Yes. At R-O-B-M-A-R-K-M-A-N. Tell him to sign up for full screen and watch us. Get listening to this podcast. Watch it. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you. Actually, we'll see you Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>